this fall, Team AccuFire is competing in five team sniper field style matches. And I find this fascinating, A, because my shooting year is done. So while I get to kick back and get fat and do other things, you guys still have like, or at least what, when we first talked about it, you had five matches still to do. And these matches are the real deal. One, you just finished the Chris Horton Memorial match, but you have Team Safari in October, Snipers Unknown in October, Gathering of Snipers in November, and then the Guardian team match in December. And those those are all big matches, and they're all a little bit different from one another, which requires kind of a unique, in my mind, it, it requires a unique approach, unique equipment considerations and kind of unique team skills but the two of you have complementary and diverse team skills and so what i thought would be really cool is talk a little bit about the match that just happened but what i really like is before the match hearing about what you did what you planned and what you intend or and are looking forward to rather than after the fact when people are talking about that one stage that got them or how they wish they could have done better. I, I really like the enthusiasm and the positive approach that shooters have before a match. And and I think you guys are, are kind of the perfect team to follow for the rest of the year. So I'm really excited about getting you on before each of these matches and kind of going through a quick and like dirty rundown of, you know, the equipment that you chose and then the mindset and some of the unique skills that you may have had to brush up on or learn on to, to kind of go into what you were expecting and, you know, whether or not that's what you end up going into uh, is less interesting to me because I think that as shooters, we should be preparing for future goals and getting ready to face those future goals by layering on skills, which is pretty cool. And then after the fact, it's it's water under the bridge. We need to be getting ready for the next challenge, and and so that's why I want to do this kind of beforehand. So so could you really quick just kind of run through, you know, without putting too much after the fact um, perspective on the Horton Memorial match, um, the 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 rifles that you guys chose, and then the mindset, the training that you kind of used to focus into that match knowing what was coming to a certain extent and then or or not knowing what was coming well i mean the chris horton memorial match man that that one we didn't really know anything about it beforehand other than some research uh into the match director uh tim grover over at RevTech, and we knew he was a army sniper so we knew there was going to be a certain level of physicality he expected we also knew that based on talking to him that there was going to be a lot of teams uh, from that are active duty in the army. So that obviously was also going to tell us that it was going to be physical. So that was something that heavily factored into our equipment when we decided what to bring. Um, unlike most guys, they brought a shooter spotter weapon, which was something along the line of 300 Win Mag or 6.5 Creedmoor for the primary shooter, which were both permitted. And then the spotter weapon, we took based on speaking with the match director and kind of getting the uh, DL uh, that it had to be a 308 or 556. Um, it wasn't expressly stated and it was a little bit unusual in how they determined the, the classes you were in, open or service. 
but uh, we played it safe when we went with 308. Um, and for me, I am not a, uh, in, in comparison to those guys over there at the match, I'm not a terribly physical person, whereas somebody like Josh, who's retired from the Army, is he can ruck a cow on his back. So he got a 30 pound rifle. He'll, he'll ruck a 30 pound rifle. If I've got a 30 pound rifle, I might die. So, uh, we picked a lot of it based on some weights. I picked my trusty, uh, rifle I had built over at zero axis. Uh, it's a, my local gunsmith. His name is Blake Madigan does fantastic work, but basically he built me a heavy varmint contour on an MPA chassis. And I run a Timney hit trigger in it and it's an Atlas tactical action. And uh, the thing just runs flawless. It's one of those things, dirt, grime, dust, whatever it is, that gun just keeps punching rounds through and it punches them accurately. And that really showed during the match. Um, and then Josh ran a, uh, my GA Precision 6.5 Creedmoor, which sits on a Manners T2A with an Arca rail and all the fixings. And it's running a Tempest action, which is the smoothest action I've ever run. Um, and together, I mean, we, we both picked rifles of, of, of similar feel for two reasons. One, in these types of matches, you can almost always expect that they're going to force you to swap positions, swap rifles or something like that. Or there's going to be some sort of on-the-fly uh, obstacle or something that's going to require you to move to different rifles. We both, we both knew that we were comfortable with the rifles that we brought. So if, if I needed to shoot his primary rifle, I could. And if he needed to shoot my secondary rifle, he could. And that was actually a little bit, you know, uh, that was extremely helpful. So that was, that was the, in terms of rifles, I mean, they both run hit triggers. They both feel similar. Everything about them is, 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 is very ergonomically friendly to virtually anybody that's ever shot our rifles. So um, it, it, that's, that's why we picked the rifles the way we did. And just looking into the match, I mean, what we learned from talking with the match director, um, you know, turned out to be pretty good intel. And uh, it paid off because if you took our shooting scores, I mean, our shooting scores and our impacts clearly indicated that we picked the right weapons for the job. So <laughs> it was nice. That's awesome. Did you guys hand load or did you guys shoot factory? Uh, I, here's my thing. I used to hand load and I didn't, and I don't anymore. Uh, one, cause I'm far too busy. And two, with a shooting season, like the way I have it now, I barely have any time at home. So I'm not going to sit there and waste time, not being able to hang out with my kids or whatever, and just crank on hand loading rounds. Um, so in this instance, uh, we've been using actually six, five, the Norma golden target One Forty Three, And I'm giving away my little secret that ammo has been pristine for us, both out of my GA Precision and our backup American Rifle Company 6.5 that um, Josh runs. And we really like that, right? We really like that ammo. It, it recoils a little bit harder than some of the other ammo. And we've noticed right at the 100 yard mark, that ammo really hasn't settled in. So those guys that really want to see tight groups just punching holes at 100 yards and seeing and using that as a grading rubric for your rifle. Um, it's, it's about, it's, it's sub-minute, uh, the ammo. But for some reason, when you move it to 109 yards, right, right, right at 100 meters, um, and you punch a group, that group really settles in. And now that rifle is printing like a third of an MOA, basically is what it comes out to be, third MOA to, to half MOA. So it really tightens down. And that's something we learned over a period of time. So I pick my ammo 
not on terminal performance at 100 yards, but obviously where I think it's going to settle in. And if it's if it's not the perfect 100-yard group, I don't really mind because I've had rifles that can't print at 100, but at 150, they're practically one-hole guns. So the Norma plays really well into that for us. And uh, Josh actually shot the Atlas grouping challenge this time and actually won it with a uh, third MOA group at 100 meters exactly on the printing card center center in the middle of the spade. So I think, uh, I think our assessment on that ammo paid off. It was just an evaluation we made. I shot uh, some old 175 grain that I had from years ago. I'm talking 10 years ago, but that ammo has never failed me. And it was made by a company called Southwest Ammunition. It's not a hand load or anything like that. It's factory load, uh, once used brass, but they do it very well. And uh, my velocity deviations were like 10 feet, uh, 10, 10 to 15 feet per second, which is more than acceptable. And I'm hammering it on a 24 inch 308. So um, that gun prints same way as particularly with that 175 load, that ammo is a little bit hotter. Um, so it doesn't print at 100 yards, but at 100 meters, that thing prints, you know, just adding 10 yards to it, it prints way tighter groups. And um, you really see that because at the distance shots, particularly things like KYL racks and things like that, where you're starting to move to 250 yards to 300 yards, so on and so forth. Um, you really care about how your round settles in there. It's not really printing a group at hundred yards and that rarely do you compete at printing groups at hundred yards. So that's, that's kind of how we picked and factory ammo for us in both picks were absolutely the right. We had guys bringing hand loads and, you know, it doesn't matter how well you hand load matters you know how well you, you you operate the weapon so um I, I i shot to the level of my ammo my ammo shot to the level i could shoot so everything kind of marries up really well nice nice that's yeah that seems like a good match i, I haven't found especially in field matches the dis, a disadvantage for for the the factory ammo when you find the right type um absolutely and if it groups well and it's got velocity spread, I mean, but yes, a standard deviation of up to 15, I think is perfectly fine for a field match. So it makes sense with time and, and ammunition. It's just nice to hear other people having good results with factory ammo and find out who's making the good stuff. Um, but it seems like standards are, are pretty high across the board uh, as long as you know what to get for your specific rifle. So yeah. that happened. Um, but you guys are the title sponsor this year for team safari. In fact, you guys have been sponsoring a hell of a lot of matches this year. Cause every match that I either go to or somebody prints the sponsored list, a lot of them are alphabetical. I know those acupiers right at the top of those lists. And I think that's badass. but, but I, I love competition dynamics and I'm not going to try to project into these matches you guys are doing, but I want you to tell me like what, you know, how you found out about Team Safari, what you've seen in the past, what you expect this year, and kind of describe the match to people who haven't gone or haven't heard of it, and why this one that is coming up is so special. And then kind of go, then walk through the rifles that you guys picked and your, and your pistols uh, for this particular event, knowing the venue and knowing kind of the devious stuff that Zach and Jimmy uh, come up with. Devious is probably the uh, right description, particularly for the assault stages that Zach thinks of, right? I mean, 
you might as well have me do cartwheels, push-ups, and burpees before I shoot. So nobody likes to do that. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that bad. Um, no, Team Safari. Uh, <laughs> don't jinx me. Don't jinx me, man. <laughs> um, but basically, uh, Team Safari was kind of an interesting thing. It came to us. Uh, we went to the Five States Game Warden convention it really wasn't convention it was basically game wardens getting together for a weekend and learning from each other uh but uh the five states game warden convention we met a guy by the name of clay moyers who had uh, shot uh team safari for many 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 years and he's a damn good shooter and uh a great dude altogether. um but uh clay uh basically told us you know he was hey man you guys should really go check out team safari keep in mind at that time we didn't know anything about team safari uh we were well aware of the prs world we knew there were these ruck and shoot type scenarios but we've and i i remember hearing something like about safari steel and team safari back when i was in lubbock texas being so close to the area they shoot it over there in logan new mexico um so we heard about it and we just decided hey man we really like to and so he got us in touch with Jimmy Holdsworth over there and Zach at, uh, at, at Competition Dynamics. And we didn't really know what to expect. So we kind of asked them a couple of questions. They gave us a great layout of how the match worked uh, and kind of explained everything to us. And we said, you know what? Uh, we are uh, all about this whole trial by fire kind of scenario. So we, we said, you know what, let's do it. And then we talked with Jimmy and we're like, hey, Jimmy, how do we sponsor this thing? He's like, hey, man, um, it just it kind of, everything kind of fell in place. He goes, hey, man, there isn't a title sponsor for the Team Safari. And I was like, why not? And uh, he basically told me, he's like, oh, I don't know. It just uh, never got to it. So we were like, OK, well, how about let's do it? So we did it uh, last year for the first time. And, uh, you know, we didn't really know what to expect. And we kind of made asses of ourselves through that process. But uh, we, it was a huge learning experience. Um, we kind of just sent some teams to get a good feel for it. And, uh, you know, we didn't do so well, but we were, it was a learning curve, uh, especially in a venue like Blue Steel, where everything is, is a little harder to see. The targets are a little smaller. Uh, everything's just kind of, you got, you, you have New Mexico wins. So that's a, that's a task in and of itself. So, um, but basically we went there and long story short, we had a blast. Uh, Jimmy, Zach, uh, RO, God, we all love Stan. Uh, we had a freaking blast there. We met some great people. Uh, and uh, everybody there, uh, it was a little different. It kind of revitalized shooting for me because the match showed a bit of com camaraderie in the shooting community that, that I haven't seen in a long time in any other shooting discipline. And I've shot three gun USPSA PRS. And in those type of things, I just feel like in maybe I'm shooting in the wrong clubs or something like that. But I feel like people always give you the side eye look when you're the new shooter. Whereas a team safari, everybody was like, hey, man, you need any help? Let me do this. Let me explain this to you. We didn't run into anybody that was like, oh, well, you know, that's for you to figure out and us to know. And we have an advantage and blah, 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 blah. And the team safari's mentality is, is the team that goes before you grades the team that comes behind you and, and so on and so forth. And this big train uh, of, of people that basically go through this course. So, um, and everybody's been, I mean, no complaints, I, not even so much as a, a whine about grading or anything like that. And it's just, it's impacts, it's fine range uh, and engage. And uh, there's also two assault stages each year um, where Zach likes to uh, uh, put in some punishment, I mean, PT into the uh, shooting scenarios and they're always enjoyable. It's always funny to watch uh, 
the entertainment value is great when you're not the one shooting it. And when you're the one shooting it, it's still quite hilarious, but uh, it really revitalized shooting for me because of the camaraderie that's attached to competition dynamics. Number one, the loyalty that the people have to it. And then um, of course, just the overall format of the match lends itself to be a more friendly match yet still highly, highly competitive. So that's the reason why we liked it. I think uh, the, that, that, that to me is crucial um, because, you know, we're all here in the shooting community. We all learn from each other. And if you're going to sit there and try to put some people down, you could drive some, you could drive the next best shooter, you know, away from a particular part of the sport. And you just don't want to do that. It's not cool. Uh, and, and so on and so forth, but, um, we enjoy it. Um, and that's the reason why that match holds us, uh, kind of a near and dear to me. Um, and in this year, um, when we go back, we're still the title sponsors. We're going to load the pro we load the prize table up. We love Jimmy. We love Zach. So we encourage everybody It's sold out this year. So, uh, and, and Jimmy was trying to squeeze our spots in because we're the title sponsors be hilarious if we didn't. Uh, <laughs> shoot it. But uh, we sent basically our A team and then we sent a fun team, our kind of our PR team. And uh, it's, it's just going to be a good time, man. Uh, that match is really just a great time. The people, the ROs, everything about it is just enjoyable. And um, I think it lends itself to a certain level of physicality, uh, but it doesn't overdo it where the amateur shooter or even the senior shooter can't do it. Um, it's still well within their capability. I think last year we had a guy that had a hip replacement like six, eight weeks beforehand and then was out shooting the match, rucking the whole entire match. And I was just, I sat there with my jaw open, like what the heck is going on? But they shot great. I mean, the, so the physicality isn't too bad, um, but it does keep you from, gaming it with some extremely heavy rifles or some ridiculously uh, large or heavy bags that are cumbersome and, you know, not your typical thing you would carry. I, I like the ones where you have to pick and choose your gear. It's just uh, mm -hmm. makes it interesting. Gives it a certain level of competitiveness, you know? Heck yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more about competition dynamics and the crowd that they have attracted and hang on to every year. I've never ever seen a community supportive at any of the events. I've done all right. four. So I've, I've seen, um, I haven't done the Codgers one that's new this year or, or it was it was new this December. And so, but my understanding is that it's Steel Safari with 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 like ribbons on the targets to help people find it they can't. But, but nonetheless, like the community is extremely supported and they have very physical events with little shooting which is the sniper adventure challenge to the team safari and the burst optics team challenge which which really are probably the two funnest matches i've ever been to and ever heard of um and the amount of support each team like all the other teams they'll they'll just gather around and cheer on teams and and uh, loan gear and i mean everything is supportive and and motivating in a way that you don't you don't see anywhere else but i want to go back to um just because i'm familiar with it i'm gonna not play dumb but i'm gonna ask you some more questions for people that haven't been to blue steel ranch now, blue steel ranch is owned by jp rifles and and they've been hosting the safari and the team safari events down there for a long time but it's very unique in in its layout 
because you're on this rim. And so kind of describe, first of all, uh, Steel Safari and Team Safari, they're three-day matches. Um, and it's not like check-in Friday, shoot Saturday, Sunday. It's, it's check-in Thursday, shoot all day Friday, all day Saturday, and all day Sunday. So it's three full days of shooting. Um, kind of describe what a day looks like. Oh man. Um, well, uh, your first two days are pretty much identical. Um, not counting zero and confirmed. So I'm not going to talk about that, but basically that's pretty much same for most matches, but, um, basically everybody gets shipped, everybody gets shipped from Stan. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. That's a, that's a rite of passage. I think you just have to christen your, your, your match that way. Uh, but Stan's he really a nice guy. He's a, he, he's a softy and he'll, 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 he'll cackle at you. It's hilarious. Uh, he'll make fun of you for sure if you're ever late to the lineup, but, uh, <laughs> but basically, yeah, you get there, you get all set up, uh, Stan barks at you for a little bit. And then, you know, uh, you can talk to anybody there, like you mentioned before, but, uh, your first day there, you basically show up at the, at the tee off time. It's kind of like golf to an extent, right? Except not the lower score wins. The highest one does, uh, my mistake. That's why I shot so badly the year before, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you show up. So basically, I think they do kickoff starting at like 6.30. And then basically every 10 minutes, a team pretty much uh, steps off. And when you step off, you step off with all of your gear. And uh, day one and day two and day three all have eight stages a day. And it's it's a lot of shooting. And a lot of people think, oh, man, it, it's only six targets. How much shooting could it be? But it really is a continuous day of shooting. And that's what I don't know about a lot of other people. Sniper Venture Challenge is not my cup of tea because I like matches where it's a shooting match, not a rucking match with some shooting. I like a shooting match with some rucking. Uh, so, uh, but basically you, you step off and north, south or west course. And basically you, you trek to your first place by following these little, these little flags. And it could be anywhere from a mile, half mile to mile and a half, um, you know, and then you get to your first location. They have this area marked where you're the safe zone or the uh, staging zone. It's kind of where you get your stuff together. And then they, the, the team that just went at, before you basically calls you up and says, okay, you guys ready? You go up ready. They show you your, they basically set up each stage in such a way where you have a shooting position and then you have left and right limits. And it can be a two by three, which means there's three targets with shooting position, two shooting positions, or it can be a one by six, which means there's one shooting position and six targets. And um, basically you get up, they're all unpainted and Zach likes to hide them places, but basically you, you get up and they say, go, you put all your stuff down, tripods, everything like that, get your binos or whatever you want to use spot. And I highly recommend range finding binos for that. And you start looking and scanning within the limits for your set of targets. And they tell you if it's two by three or one by six, by the way, I don't know if I was clear about that, but basically you start spawning your targets and then the gas gunner shoots first and the gas gunner basically shoots uh, three targets, any three targets. He can pick any three out of the six or shoots from position one and shoots all three targets from position one and, and then leaves position two and one both to the second shooter. So, um, but basically the cool thing about the gas gun is, is they kind of get you your wind calls. They kind of do the things necessary. And it's the gas gun's job to basically get on target and get off the gun as fast as possible after hitting those targets. And 
in my opinion, it's the less stressful of the two jobs. <laughs> but uh, basically you shoot first and you get unlimited rounds at whatever those three targets are. So a lot of guys will go out there and bang five, five, six, three Oh eight, or, you know, this year I'm going to go a little crazy. and I'm going to go bang six arc. Like it's going out of style, but uh, basically you go out and you clear your first three targets. If you don't clear them, you can always pass to your partner. If you just want your partner to shoot and then your partner comes up and it's got to be a bolt gun. Um, and caliber restrictions under 3,200 feet per second can't be larger than 30 cal. But basically, they get down position one, same position you are. You roll out of the way. They get on. And your job is to basically uh, range and help them get on target. They only get one round per target for the six targets they have to shoot uh, or the three targets that they have to shoot twice, depending on um, the, the stage. But basically, you know, uh, calling wind and impacts is important because if my shooter gets online on the line and fires the first round and he hits the target, that's not the end of the equation. If he clips the left side of the target, I need to let him know, Hey man, you've got a 10th more wind correction that you should probably put for your next target. Uh, simply because, uh, you know, we want this thing as center center. Zach likes to use diamonds. So, uh, as you're well aware in rifle craft, uh, Chris, these diamonds are evil because, <laughs> If your elevation isn't absolutely perfect, you don't get the most leeway on windage. So um, it, it's one of those things. And then basically they bang away their six rounds, uh, hit or no hit. They basically drop whatever they don't hit. And then whatever they hit, they only get you know one shot at it. And they finish. They call time. You get six minutes between the two of you, which seems like a long time. But in reality, it's not. And... Um, you get on, on and off the guns and then you pack your stuff up and you move to the next stage. Uh, the entire shooting course takes roughly about from the time of step off to the time of finish, probably somewhere between about four to six hours. So it's a good deal of shooting 144 targets over three days for the bolt gunner, for the gas gunner, you know, you, you have half that. Um, so it's, it's, that's, that's just the way they set the stages. And then day one and day two, you also have the assault stages in the afternoon, which basically can be anything that Zach makes up. I mean, there's dummy drags, there's shooting from uh, awkward positions, there's switching rifles, there's like, uh, you know, uh, it, there's makeup shots and relays. And basically, it's, it's very team oriented. So um, it's one of those things that having a good uh uh, a good mesh with your teammate is always helpful uh, because if you don't, then those type of relays tend to wear on your team dynamic a little bit, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's overall just a blast. Uh, I've, I've never really had much of a uh, uh, anything, anything bad to say about that, especially where they run it and the, the atmosphere they foster. So that's kind of the day that you have last day is basically just eight stages. And then you go to prize table instead of, uh, an assault stage. So, um, there's, there's just a lot of, uh, the it's, it's pretty simplistic in the layout, but it's, it's the simplicity that makes it so enjoyable because from stage one to stage eight in day one alone, it's amazing what your eyes learn, how you learn target detection. And it's also really amazing what you learn about how to pick up stages and essentially how your strategy changes. I've shot Safari Steel and Team Safari and Safari Steel, even through that course of nine stages in Safari Steel instead of eight, 
my strategy changed midway through. Uh, and you just learn these tweaks. It's, it really learns to stress the shooter and the team dynamic, the ability to call, call impacts, call trace and helping your partners. It's, it makes it enjoyable. It's never fun to ruck by yourself. So. <laughs> and the rucks are times. I just want to make that clear to the listeners that, you know, you, you've got a part-time and you step off and, and usually there's a, an approach to the first stage, but after that, the distance between stages is, is shorter, maybe a hundred yards between stages, but it's not timed other than the team in front of you is going to be waiting for you to catch up and you got to RO the team behind you. So there's a little bit of an inchworm effect, but it's not like you're on the clock. And if you don't make the, the movement, you're going to be penalized. You just have to carry your shit around. So uh, it helps you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not quite selection. like Burris. You, you can't get past, right. you, you can't yeah. get past, should I say? Uh, yeah. So nobody really plays through or anything like that. But uh, uh, yeah, team safari is, is a little bit more relaxed in that sense, but it's just enough physicality. Like I said, if you're trying to learn this sport, particularly the ruck and shoots, I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, because I feel this way, but I think that uh, it's, it, it's probably the most, the, the easiest way to usher yourself into this part. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. After the sniper adventure challenge, the team safari was my next competition. And, you know, after just the big overwhelmingly positive experience, I had a sniper adventure challenge. It was equally positive and rewarding in a new way to see a whole new set of people, more or less, um, but equally supported, supportive and excited about helping shooters get into it. And, um, you know, mentor, there's a, there's a huge community of mentor. And oh, absolutely. You mentioned that you struggled your first time there, but man, I, I don't think of, man, I don't think anybody went and had a great first time still so far in terms of performance but i i but i think that most teams that go there have an overwhelmingly positive experience and leave going, absolutely crap that was fun and even though they're a little let down that maybe they didn't perform as well as they would have hoped to like it revitalizes so many areas in shooting especially the team one because man you got gas gun bulk gun pistol dynamics teams like supporting and laughing and going out and eating in the town. There's so small that everybody eats at the same place. I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. You really don't um, have a choice, right? <laughs> you got like what Subway right. and like a barbecue place and then mama T's road to ruin. <laughs> right. Right. I, I mean, like, yeah, it, it was this, this last time was pretty fun, but I guess that was just regular right. safari, but you know, it was, it's the same idea that everybody just kind of gets together and hangs out and laughs. And um, yeah. you mentioned that you're shooting six arc. Will, will you kind of run through, even though Josh is none, will you run through the rifle setup that he's using and then your rifle setup? Yeah. Um, so Josh is running his personal. He really, really loved the American Rifle Company chassis. So he's actually running a full-on American Rifle Company uh, six-millimeter Creedmoor uh, for the match. We actually saw Clay Moyers run something similar to that. I think his is a different action. It's a nucleus instead of an Archimedes. But um those actions that tend to be a little bit more I'm, sloppy is not the right word, but forgiving is the, probably the better word. Um, they tend to function better in that moon dust out there in New Mexico. So um, 
he's running an American rifle company, Six Creedmoor, and he's going to be shooting. I think for the, his ammo that we've all but decided on is going to be the Hornady uh, 108 grain uh, ELDM white box stuff. Uh, I will be shooting Six Arc, which is going to be on a Cobalt Kinetics. And I've got a 22 inch proof research beef bat barrel. We call it beef bat because it's, it's, it's a, it's a honk a chonk. Uh, but, uh, and uh, we barrels both are hammers. Yeah. They're the, that, that, that thing's a laser beam. Um, and yeah. then we, we both picked six millimeter cause we wanted something that would be somewhat comparable in terms of trajectory and, and wind call. But um, obviously my six arc has a little bit less uh, uh, zip on it but we're both shooting 108 grain and we found that it, it's, it's very easy to make each other's wind calls, particularly for the distances that the match offers for you. So the targets are small, but uh, the targets are closer in than some of the matches I've shot in other places, but they are not a forgiving target by any means. Uh, marksmanship is, is definitely going to be a crucial uh, part of this. So, um, but he, he runs that, um, it's got Arca. We run two, two, uh, he runs a really right stuff tripod. I run a two vets tripod recon V2. I think he runs his 33 or TN something 33. That is really right stuff is I run an Anvil 30 really right stuff head. And he runs a BH 55 really right stuff head. There's really no real formula to that. The reason why we like the ones that we do is his BH 55 head with a dual adjustment is really nice to use with the binos. Whereas my, Anvil 30 is grossly easy to adjust. So swinging around on the rifle and moving it in, in position is, is really nice. And then locking it down is also very, very easy. Um, and I like shooting off a tripod a lot. Everybody will tell me, Hey man, you can get down, get prone. And, uh, and I, I, I prefer the shooting the tripods, but yeah, Josh's rifle again, that six Creedmoor is a laser beam. It's a hammer. Uh, I think he's just under, 3,100 feet per second coming out of the muzzle with that, with that uh, 108 grain. And I'm shooting six arc at like 28, something 2850, I think is what it comes out to be. Um, so we, we hope that'll give us a little bit of a leg up on some people out there. <laughs> yeah, that's a good choice. And then, and then your optics. Oh, so, I mean, obviously, I mean, we, we, we both work with AccuFire, so we both shoot uh, the Astro 20. I mean, we have a newer optic that's coming out, but I'm not ready to field it until I, I don't want to beat the crap out of it over there at, uh, at that match uh, because we, we have other tests that we want to run on at first uh, that are less aggressive. And, you know, you, you work your way up until you break it, right? And that's, that's our mantra between the Astro 20 as well because we literally – went through seven renditions of that and kept strengthening it, kept, kept reinforcing it until we got to the model that we have now. And so we both run Atro twenties. They've never failed us. They've never come down. They've never failed to dial back to zero. Uh, they've never failed to dial. Whatever I put it on is what it is. And uh, it's, it's, it's been, you know, it's, it's, it's been my go-to scope. I find it really difficult locking turrets. Um, I don't really use illumination on any scope. So that doesn't matter to me, but the cattail, um, the locking turrets pretty crucial, particularly when you rock. So, um, I enjoy that scope a whole lot. And, uh, it's, it's, it's also, you know, it's, it's, it's just for lack of a better explanation, it's just never failed me. It's I've been through all these matches right. and I've had all sorts of equipment failures and the scope it's, it's, I don't even know how to put it. It's just somehow it just keeps ticking. So, 
<laughs> and I've got some scopes. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm beating mine down. I haven't found any. I really haven't found any downsides to to mine either. And I've been like really ramping up the environmental kind of stuff. I mean, you know, and to be totally fair, competition dynamics matches are not easy on equipment. Like if if, if somebody's afraid of their equipment, like potentially not being able to work in heinous environments and dust and dirt and getting knocked around. Like they will steer clear far and wide from competition dynamics. And so it's nice to see equipment come there and get used because you know that, that if people come there and they come back every year, knowing that that dust gets in everything, no matter, no matter what you do, it's going to be dusty. No matter what you do, it's going to be windy. No matter what you do, there's going to be rocks and there's going to be times when your stuff gets bumped over and it hits a piece of sandstone or, you know, it's on your back and you turn and you hit a tree or you know, something, right? Or you're slip, you're climbing up, <laughs> you know, like the end of that, the end of this, the, the south and you're climbing up that oh yeah, rocky slope and, you know, you're, you know, the, a rock slips under your foot and you that, crash that into the ground and, yeah, that one's definitely a doozy. I mean, it, it's like you said, that moon dust gets everywhere. And anytime you have moving parts, turrets, anything like that, if, if you know, I always talk about, they talk about tight tolerances and everything. There are places to put tight tolerances and there are places to allow the tolerances to move. And that's mm-hmm. kind of one of the crucial things I've learned about all equipment, whether it be a gas gun, bolt gun, pistol, uh, optic, anything, right? So for me... it's been huge to know that, you know, that optic isn't going to seize up. We've seen optic seize up. I think we shot a a match at the guardian where we had quite a few scopes seize up because the, just the sheer amount of dust that day. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people mushing and pushing and, and working with turrets and then they hear grit and they don't, they don't know what's going on anymore. So, um, we just, we implicitly, I've, I've now had two shooting seasons, behind the same atro 20 and everybody keeps asking me why won't you switch to a new one this one looks like it's got the shit kicked out of it and i'm like well i'm gonna keep kicking it out of it until <laughs> until it that's breaks the look of, right right that's the look of trust <laughs> right yeah. when it's well it depends on who you are scars, like for me it's trust for them it's horror <laughs> yeah. All right, but you're also like an exceptional pistol shooter. And so this match involves pistol, just like the Burris Optics team challenge requires pistol. And it's not like a bolt gunner's pistol stage. Like you're you're shooting, like for real. So describe the pistols that that you're bringing. I mean, the pistols don't have to be fancy and it's not like – uspsa or, or, or anything like that but you're shooting a lot of plates like and 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 so you want to have a pistol that runs at holster yeah. that has retention because you're running around in the dirt sometimes jumping over rocks and and um and stuff like that but but describe some of the pistols and, and a little bit of the standards because some bolt gunners don't shoot pistol very well and so sometimes people come to these events and that's an area that they struggle in and it feels like one of those areas where people could make pretty fast improvements and see a big um, point gain from just being kind of um, semi-competent with a, with a pistol. Yeah, um, 
so I'll start by answering with, you know, my, my pistol that I run, <laughs> you see, you're making me look bad, Chris. You're like, it doesn't have to be fancy. And here I am about to say what my pistol is. Uh, so I, I am a pistol shooter. I shot a lot of three gun. I shoot USPSA from time to time. I really, really enjoy pistol shooting. It's one of my stronger suits. So I wouldn't say I'm exceptional by any means. I just say I'm, I'm probably rehearsed is probably the better way to put it. Um, and when I run, for example, my pistol, it's a Strayer Voigt or SVI Infinity. So anybody who's shot USPSA knows who Infinity is. Anybody who shot three gun probably knows who Infinity is. And it's, it's probably one of the most dominant guns for speed shooting that you could probably run in those particular disciplines. So that's what I run. The downside to something that that tight is that, um, maintenance is crucial <laughs> maintenance always is crucial for your guns but in that one it's p particularly crucial so uh, they can get pretty finicky if you don't take care of them and uh, so i do religiously take care of my sv uh, i don't sit there and like you know take a, uh, a dental pick to it every day and whatever but you know after every 1500 2500 rounds i'll go through and i'll give it a wipe down and uh, I use slide glide, uh, kind of, it's kind of grease or it's almost like a transmission paste, if you will. And I use that or gear paste, um, and I put it back on the gun and run it, wipe it down and then go put rounds through it, uh, just to get that paste to work in. So that pistol is particularly finicky, but you could easily go shoot this match with, you know, your household Glock, um, and, and just, and do great, uh, Pistol shooting, like you said, is, is, I wouldn't say pistol shooting is, is, is difficult, but it is certainly dynamic in the sense that, um, they make you drag dummies. They make you shoot KYL racks with the pistols. There's running with them and all that type of stuff. So I do recommend a holster that has a decent amount of retention or something that you trust enough to, uh, give it a little bit of a bounce and not worry about your pistol coming out, uh, particularly with a pistol like mine, which literally has a hairpin trigger on it. Um, you know, you really don't want that thing flying out off the handle. That's bad. Bad things can happen when that, when that occurs. So, um, that's what I run. My partner still hasn't really picked a pistol yet. Josh, uh, was looking at a, uh, I, I believe he's going to probably run his Glock, but, uh, Triarch systems is building him and I we've, we've ordered from them two Triarch, uh, tri 11s, uh, to run. Uh, mine's a little bit more bougie than his, but, uh, they both will run flawlessly. And, um, I feel like it's probably better suited for a match like this just because of all the moon dust we're talking about, uh, running into. So, um, that's what I run. Um, and, and to be honest with you guys, I mean, I, I could literally walk into this match with a Glock and feel just as comfortable. It, it, it doesn't really matter. I just, it, it's one of those things. Like if I'm, if I'm going to have an infinity, what's the point of having a Ferrari if you're not going to drive it from time to time? So that's my motto with the infinity. <laughs> so yeah, mine is kind of bougie. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's okay. But get, I do think, you know, if you, if, let's say, you know? let's say, uh, I, I, actually, I, there was a bunch of staccatos at the Burris this year. A ton of Oh yeah. Um, and I, I wouldn't, I mean, to me that, that seems, pretty high end anyway yeah but, um 
I just run a Glock 19, but, but, you know, a lot of the plates are like eight to 10 inch plates and you got to shoot 25 of them. And then your partner has to shoot 25 of them at, at like, I don't know what, 20 yards or something like that. Yeah. Um, and they're not forgiving. I, either, I guess so. I'm thinking. So, so I'm trying to think back like, so at the Burris optics, cause the, the assault stages are similar in design cause they're designed by the same people. But, but an example was like, um, you know, like 15 or 20 steel plates at like 20 something yards you yeah know, they weren't i don't know how big they were maybe eight inches 10 inches something like that and you had to shoot each one twice and then your partner had to shoot each one twice and then do a movement somewhere and then there was another array of 10 to 15 steel plates that you had to shoot twice each and then you had to do another movement and then shoot your rifles but you had you know four minutes to get through all that so you know the good pistol shooters bang and they were done and then uh, you know other shooters took a yeah. long time to get through I, those which which eats away at your time um i'll certainly say this about so, the assault stages i mean the, the the match is a precision ruck match through and through when it comes to pistol the one catches is it's one of those things you can look at it two ways you can either get good in that pistol so it doesn't set you back or you can learn to shoot pistol really well and it might push you forward a little bit, but I don't think it's determinative uh, for the match by any means, but it can knock you up a place to knock you down a place. I think I feel, I feel it. I don't know if you think, if you feel the same way on that one, Chris, but uh, that's, that's the I way think, I've I just think it. it's super cool. Yeah. Just, it's super cool and it's fun it, because I don't shoot pistol matches. I can't speak credibly, but I have the feeling that pistol matches are much harder harder and much more competitive but on the other hand at these matches there's a widespread of pistol skills and yeah you can see that and, and everybody's cheering each other on and the worse you are at pistol the more people are out there cheering you on because you know it's fun to um to, you know gather around these assault stages and, and cheer on the teams that teams that are going through but but just you know a little bit of pistol practice goes a long way at these because we tend to all practice with our rifles a lot and uh and you can tell right away who um at least keeps the skills a little bit more well-rounded and that's that i think that's that's really the idea because jack and zach and jimmy are are all about well-rounded skill sets and being good with any firearm and so obviously a pistol is important but they don't need to be fancy by any means because they're not um extremely difficult stages but you just have to be capable of kind of getting through them in the time and not stressing out so that then you could shoot your rifle yeah i mean like i said i mean i i stand by the fact i mean i, I wouldn't say pistol matches are much more difficult uh they stress different skill sets i think is the better way to put it uh for me anyway uh when I run into like a USPSA match, I mean, it's a lot of movement and shooting. So, you know, for example, in a stage, I can either choose to plant my feet, get six well-placed shots on three targets, or I can do a dynamic, you know, just move and shoot and risk hitting, you know, uh, Charlie's and Delta's in the process and, you know, and be a little bit faster. So those things, it's risk and reward. And this, it's very much, you know, there's no risk in war. It's just simply you have to make your impacts, especially when it's Zach stages impacts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shoot right, to advance. Right. 
<laughs> right. And there is a lot of like shoot, move, communicate with your partner. Yeah. And, and that's built into some of these designs. You can't really anticipate what's coming, but you know, you're going to have to shoot, you're going to have to move and you're going to have to communicate with your partner at some point. So, so I think that yeah. that's really cool and it's fun. And shit, I remember, um, it's been a while, but cause I, I've, I've shot it with Colin and I've shot it with Andy and, um, one of those years, like, when one of the assault stages was done, it was so entertaining and fun to run up these little finger canyons that a huge group just stayed there afterwards and just did it for shits like over and over again to try to see who could, who could do it the fastest until we ran out of like, we had cases of ammo and we would just, we probably ran it another 20 times just for entertainment sake to see who could go faster and faster and faster. And, um, you know, that, that's the kind of match it is where, you know, when the day's done, a lot of guys are still out there like screwing around and shooting and, and uh, just having, having fun because that that's the name of the game. And yes, it's competitive and yes, people want to do good, but most people that are there have been there before and they're just trying to best their score from the year before. And, um, and that, that tends to happen. You know, every year everybody goes up a couple points. Yeah. And um, keep coming back. And I mean, but, but that's exactly it. Like, and I think you said it best, like people stick around because I hate to say it. I mean, but when you're at a match and you're not with cool people, you just want to put up and get out. Right. You don't really want to do anything, but when you're at a match and you've got a bunch of cool people, it's, it's, it's real easy to just hang out. You've been doing it all day, but you're not tired of it. So, um, but I mean, it's, it's everything. And then again, I mean, I met you at, uh, I think I actually met you face-to-face at, at Steel Safari this year. Uh, and, uh, you know, everybody there is is just, it, it's a good hangout, good people to be around. And I think the match and the way it's set up helps foster that that uh, that feeling of, of, of oh, yeah. togetherness oh, yeah. with every, all the other shooters. So, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's just, it's, it's probably my my favorite match uh that i shoot and again i you know i'm not saying that simply because we sponsor it i'm saying that because i feel like it's one of the few matches that you could literally pull anybody from virtually any walk of life and be like Mm -hmm. what you could be a you could be a seal you could be a recon marine you could be an 80 year old lawyer and as long as you've got two feet and you're willing to do it man you can you absolutely can Yeah, it's amazing. It's, I was listening to um, Chad Heckler's podcast, the Miles to Matches, and he said that they were talking about you know what, doing what you love and you know so on and so forth. But that there's kind of a, a life cycle, and, and that um, Shannon Cape had mentioned on a podcast that the average PRS shooter has a lifespan of about three to three and a half years. Like you know they get into it, they get really psyched, and then three years, three and a half years later, they're done and they're moving on to golf or you know, something else. And um, competition dynamics is is not like that. I met... No, it's not. So in, in these matches, the Steel Safari match has been going on before Zach and Jimmy took it over for over 20 years. It's something like 25 or 26 years it's been going on. But at some point, maybe in the last 15, 12 to 15 years, I'll get Zach on and talk about the matches that they took over the, but but at this ranch um you can really meet people that have been there every year for the last 20 years 
Like, oh yeah, they'll you know, they may have moved somewhere else in the country, and they'll still come back every single year for that match or the two matches, and that they've done it for twenty years. Shit, there's um, uh, Connor. He he wins Steel Safari every now and again and stuff like that, and and uh, his dad has been shooting it for you know twenty, whoever. I don't know how, how many years. Connor's not that old. Maybe he's 21 or 22 or something like that. But um, ever since he could walk, he's been coming out to that match with his dad. And now he's, you know, shot it with, with his dad in the team. And then uh, he's won the individual safari. So, so you've, got, you've got, you know, 20-year-olds that have been going there their whole life and 50-year-olds that have been going there for, you know, 20-plus years. And most of them come back every single year. So it doesn't surprise me that it's growing and that it's sold out because the community is really solid and supportive and they don't want to chase people away. They want to hang on to the roots and the tradition and the style because that style is not as popular um, nationwide, but it's still the the roots of shooting and, and field shooting altogether. Most of those folks. You know, um, I mean, they, they talk about, oh, well, the, that style of shooting is not as popular, but the way I see Team Safari or Safari Steel or any of these ruck matches is they stress practical skill sets, mm-hmm. in my opinion. they, they it, it, it makes you a more well-rounded shooter. I think that's the better way to put mm-hmm. it. Uh, yeah. I feel like in some of the other disciplines, USPSA, uh, PRS, for example, in those situations, they make you a, an excellent they make you an excellent shooter in scenarios and club matches off of barricades. And it makes you very, very good. But what happens if you add a level of physicality to that? I can tell you shooting off a barricade after you've rucked four miles is vastly different than shooting off a barricade when you've been sitting there and idle for a long time, because your heart rate's not moving. There's not, there's all sorts of adjustments that you need to make for your, your, your physical parameters, you know, and and a lot of people may find some position comfortable when they're under duress and versus when they're not under duress, they can probably get away with murder in all sorts of different positions. I know I can. Uh, good old yoga. No, I'm just kidding. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I get like stiffer and stiffer every year. I feel like uh, pretty soon I'm going to be like the concrete man. I, I don't want to hear it, man. I, I've seen you ruck and I've seen you shoot. There, there's not a single thing that says that you're in worse shape than anybody else. If anything, I think it says you're probably double the shape that anybody else is in. I <laughs> feel like that. But I, I think that's awesome. Like, this was a great kind of run through of Team Safari, the Occupier Team Safari that's coming up October 14th to 16th. And it's worth putting on people's calendars for next year. This year it's sold out. 